Good morning. Okay, and welcome to Jubilee. My name is Dan. I'm part of the, the leadership team at the, here at the church. And it's, um, it's great to be with you this, uh, this morning. It's great to be able to, uh, to gather. Uh, thank you for those who were able to join us last week as we just gathered to start the year in prayer. It was great. I know for some you were unable to get here for, for lots of reasons and public transport and all of that. But thank you for those who gathered. And again, just encourage you to do come along tonight if you're able to, just as we, you know, as we press in in prayer and asking God to, to move afresh uh, this year. Uh, you know, fortunately, just before Christmas, um, for those who don't know, one of, our, uh, one of the previous members of our community, Happiness, um, she, she passed away just before Christmas, and hopefully most of you are aware. And just to say that if you want to attend tomorrow, um, that the funeral is at, uh, at half past 11. That's right, isn't it? Half past 11. And that's, uh, but that's not here. That's at, um, that's at Potter's House Church, which is on uh, Newland Ave, um, corner of Alexandra Street and Newland Ave. Um, so if you want to be there, uh, you're very welcome. Everyone is welcome. And then after that, um, at 1 o'clock, at, at the Creme, and so, um, but please do, if you're able to be there, um, it'd be great to have some Jubilee people there, she was really loved by our community, and so, um, yeah, that's tomorrow, um, and, and so, so yeah, so we start today as a, uh, with a, what we call our Vision Sunday, and um, we, we start to look forward to the year, and we, we reflect where God has um, been, what God has done, but we also, we look forward to where he is uh, leading us. Um, this is one of my uh, favorite quotes um, that comes not from the Bible, um, but a, a French writer in the early 1900s um, who, who wrote, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up men to gather wood, divide the work and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless seas. And the idea of this, this quote and why I love it so much is that we, if we assign people tasks, uh, ultimately people will get to a point where they, just, they become disillusioned, they lose vision, they're not effective in the task that they were initially given. We all get fed up, we all forget why we're doing stuff. But the other option here is to, to paint a big picture that, that captures us into something bigger that helps us see how the, the small tasks that we do fit into a bigger narrative. Or as Proverbs 29 says, without vision, the people perish. You know, as a staff team here at Jubilee, and I've got a great team that I get to work with every day, but at the top of everyone's job description, it, it says that primarily their role is to make Jesus known. That's their primary role. Now, there's loads of ways that, that that is made possible, but if you don't see how you fit in the, the bigger picture, you soon get fed up. But if you see yourself in the bigger picture, now my job is to make Jesus known, then every time you answer the phone, or you clean a toilet, or you lead a Bible study, or you serve a cup of tea, you are playing your part in making Jesus known. Vision matters. Yesterday, uh, we, a few of us spent some time uh, together as, uh, looking ahead of the year, and, and, and John Clark, was from, who leads, is the pastor of Hull Vineyard Church, was with us for a little while, and he, he spoke about how, how COVID uh, knocked our ability to, to dream. It, it, it meant that we, we lost our vision at times, because in moments of crisis, we, we resort to logic instead of dreaming. 
Now, ambition is wrong when we're chasing after the things of this world, but not when it's godly ambition, when we're following God's heart. And, and he encouraged us to dream again. You know, last year at our Vision Sunday, I shared how we wanted to focus on two areas, and they were to be an authentic community, and we wanted to be people who were in, would action inconvenient hospitality. Authentic community and inconvenient hospitality. That we were to be a place of shelter for those in need and a place where people found family. You know, little did we realize that physically we'd be providing a warm space at Jubilee for those dealing with the cost of living crisis. That we would see an influx of new people and, and, and see our life groups grow as we express authentic community. You know, we've had 14 of our life groups meeting across this region. We've got another three groups starting this month. And massive thanks. Victor and Dev, would you stand up? And Tom and Amber, would you stand up? These are two, um, Phil and Dempsey's the third group, but Phil, you can stand up, that's all right. I mean, he's all, you know who he is. Um, but um, just, so these are some of our, our new life groups that are going to be launching. Don't stand, sit down, stand up. I'm going to say nice things about you. And, um, and I just, just, it's great, I, I just really want to just say, you know, these guys, they've not been in Jubilee for, for a huge amount of time. Um, but what they've done is they've just got themselves involved. They've, uh, you know, they've connected into the vision. They've given themselves to, to serving. They've understood that actually um, it's as much about what they bring than what they receive when they come in. And it's been wonderful to see you guys. And thank you so much. And, and, then, and what I love about these guys is you, you, say, you ask them to do something. They just say yes. It's wonderful. They're, they're enthusiastic. They, they've got involved in stuff. And um, we're really excited. They're going to be leading these... These couples are going to be leading some stuff around our 18s to 30s, and so now you can sit down, but thank you. So as we've, we've expanded our life groups, we've, we've also seen our, our cluster activities. So as a church, we, we have groups that meet regularly, and then together, three or four of those life groups cluster together to, for a monthly meeting. And we've, we've seen those increase. We, we have them meeting around the city. We've got four groups in uh, the sort of it's very scientific, central, north, south, uh, east and, and west, not south, because we'd be in the river, but maybe if you're in Barton, maybe that's the next one. Um, we've seen a new cluster start meeting in Hedden as we served the villages and the towns out to the east. Um, and, and it's just been wonderful to hear stories um, of how you have been community to one another, how you've inconvenienced yourself to be there for others, through serving on a rota, through coming to help during the week with our social action initiatives, uh, through caring for those in need and the, uh, going to visit the sick. I know there's been many new people who've joined us in the last uh, 12 months. I hope you've felt encouraged and welcome to be in this community. And, and I, I hope that you will uh, get involved this year in one of our life groups. Because although Sundays are a wonderful time together, they're never enough to tr for true community to be created. Also, if Jubilee is your home and you've been here for a while, please can I encourage you to look out for those who are new amongst us. Help them to quickly feel at home and that community. And as I started to look towards this uh, new year, someone shared a passage with me um, and I really felt that God was speaking through it, and so I wanted to share it today with the hope and, and in belief that actually it's a word not just for me, but a word for the church community. It, it's found in the, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, and we, 
The, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, uh, it's, the, it's the prophet Isaiah being given uh, messages um, of judgment to the people. They have disobeyed God and they're going to be taken into exile. First 39 chapters. But throughout those first 39 chapters, there is a promise. There is a hope that this exile will one day end. This future hope is then explained further in chapters 40 through to 66. And it is chapter 40 that I want to share from today. There is a debate about whether this is Isaiah writing and he's looking into the future and he's seeing prophetically, or whether it's written after his death and when exile has ended and a group of people are reflecting on what God has done and then what God is going to do. But what every scholar and commentator can agree on is that chapters 40 onwards declare a future hope and that God will be faithful to fulfilling his words. Isaiah 40, we're going to read 1 to 5 today. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed and that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Let's stop there. This is the hope for Israel, that the exile they are living in is ending. Yes, they've been disobedient. No, they don't deserve it, but God is faithful. Israel's sins have been paid for. The suffering is over, and now they're going to be blessed. At the start of this year, we need to be amazed by God's grace. It is crazy that we can start this year and we can share what we feel God is wanting to do with us. We deserve punishment. We deserve to be separated from God, living in despair, without hope, and yet we come together today to celebrate that God has saved us. He has reached down into the pit of my despair. He has made himself nothing so that I can experience life, so that I can experience mercy and grace. And then he calls us to follow him. The risen Savior chooses to partner with us to advance his kingdom on this earth. That we get to be called children of God, ambassadors of Christ. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If we forget this grace, then we can forget all our plans. If we make it about us, about how much we can do, about the abilities we have, about what we want to do, we can forget it all. But when we see it through a lens of grace, then we live grateful lives. Because we we, we understand we don't deserve any of God's blessings. We don't deserve for things to go well, but by God's grace, we have a hope-filled future. It might not be this year. You know, if the COVID-19 pandemic taught us anything, it's that we're not in control of our future, but God is. And we have a glorious eternity lined up for us. This year might not go well. Next five years might not go well. 
but we have a glorious future. There is a glorious hope for us all if we know Jesus. And that grace and that future hope motivates us to live grace-filled lives, to extend that grace to others, to introduce people to the one who brings hope and light into despair and darkness. A grace-filled community is an attractive community because it draws people in. Mark Sayers, an Australian pastor, says it this way. What if being a city on a hill is not about broadcasting with the bright spotlights of the day, but rather allowing the world to be bathed in the gentle, magnetic glow of the kingdom? A community that is amazed by grace is magnetic to those around. Let's be amazed by grace this year. Let's carry on with the passage. Exile is coming to an end. Because of that grace, because of the grace of God, there is a, a future for God's people. And then from verse 3, it says, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, Prepare a way for the Lord. Make straight in the deserts a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Our um, church building is, is situated right next to um, Albion, the Albion Square development. And I've just got a, a picture for you here of, um, uh, of the plans. This, this, is, um, this is what's going to be next door to us. Um, this is a £96 million project to create new houses, apartments, office spaces, shops, multi-story car park, and an urban woodland. Don't panic when I put that picture up. That's not our vision for this year. The, this, is the Albion, this, is the, this is the council. You know, and the plans look amazing. The plans do look amazing. Uh, I, I have an office, uh, and I'm going to look out over some of this stuff, and um, I'm going to get to have my lunch break sat under that tree. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> I've got a screen there, by the way, that tree. Um, and it's going to change a lot. Even if you've been in Hull for the last few years, Hull, the city centre has changed a lot, and, and now the investment is, is kind of coming into this area, and, and there's a lot planned over the next few years. The, the, the look of this is going to change. Nicely for us, the value of our building is going to change a lot, um, being next to that. And, and the plans are really exciting. I, I'm really excited for these plans. But right now, this is what it looks like. That's the view from my window. It's beautiful, isn't it? You see men with asbestos white suits coming out. Like, it's, um, yeah. This block here is their, uh, the, I think it's green, blue. This, the block at the bottom, that's their kind of welfare set unit, which is basically where they have their lunch breaks. So we just see a load of them outside smoking. Um, and so that's, that's my view. That's the vision. The, the vision is there. But right now, that carefully and very slowly, because of the huge amount of asbestos in the building, they're taking it down brick by brick. They're taking this, the building on the, the right down brick by brick. And they're preparing the ground for what is to come next. The, the preparation phase, although it feels really slow and painful at times, it is vital for the long-term viability and success of this new project. Why am I telling you this? In this passage, the people of Israel 
are seeing an end of it to exile. What they're invited to do is they're invited to make preparations for what is to come next. To lay the ground. It says, a voice calls to them, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. This passage is repeated by John the Baptist in John 1 when he is questioned who he is. It says this in 1 John from verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah. And they asked him, then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourselves? And John replied in the words of the Isaiah, the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now the Pharisees have been sent to question him. Why do you then baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But one you, one, one you stands among you who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Here John is preparing the way for Jesus. This is what Israel is invited to do. To live in such a way that it points the way to the new Messiah. And this is the word I was given on this Isaiah passage, which I feel is for us as the church. The projects we are working on and the plans we have are not of our own desires, but are ways that we are creating a highway for people to meet with Jesus. The projects we are working on, the plans we have, are not of our own desires, but are ways we are creating a highway for people to meet with Jesus. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. How do we prepare the way for the Lord? We're told by preaching the gospel of the kingdom. As followers of Jesus, our role is to make disciples. Matthew 28, Jesus gives his disciples this command, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our call is to go and make disciples. And by doing that, we are, go, we are going out and we are preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We are sharing the good news of Jesus with those around you. That's what John the Baptist is doing. He is declaring that the kingdom has come and that it is found in Jesus. Our job of followers of Jesus is to preach the gospel. Now, when I think of preaching the gospel, a whole load of things come to mind. You might think of someone on the street preaching to you. You might think of one of us stood on a stage. You maybe think of like an old school preacher at a rally. And if that's our view of what preaching the gospel is, our jo- and, and we know our job is to preach the gospel, then, then most of the time it looks like we're failing. Because most of the time, that's not what we're doing. Most of the time, we're just faithfully serving Jesus wherever, he, wherever we find ourselves and with, with whatever resource that Jesus has given us. You know, if preaching the gospel prepares the way for Jesus, why do we give ourselves to other stuff? Why do we feed the pot? Why do we run shower and laundry facilities? Why do we encourage people to work, you to work hard in your workplace and be amazing employees? Why do we run Jubilee Life College or plan big building projects? And the reason is, is that the kingdom of God is 
and the, the gospel of the kingdom is much bigger than we often think. You know, sometimes we can get the, the gospel completely wrong. Sometimes our gospel is one of religion. This is where we feel that God is an angry God and we need to do stuff and we need to work really hard to please him. This is legalism. It's, the, it's opposed to grace. But often we understand parts of the gospel, but we just don't see it in its fullness. You know, sometimes we, our gospel is just about saving souls. This is the gospel. God wants to save your soul and rescue you from eternity. We need people to pray a prayer and be saved. And that's true. We need to see people repenting, turning from their old life and following Jesus, having their eternal destination changed. But that's not the fullness of the kingdom. Sometimes our gospel is about the church. God is building his church. He's adding people in. We need to survive as this community to then enjoy the future that we have as Christ's bride. Now the church has a glorious future. But the kingdom is more than just what happens in the future. Sometimes our gospel is about justice. There is wrong in the world and we need to see change. We need to challenge oppressive systems. We need to bring about justice for those who are suffering. Now this is true. We need to be a voice for those without a voice. We need to care for the poor. But the kingdom is more than just social services. You see, when Jesus arrived on the scene, he begins his ministry and he quotes Isaiah 61. And we read it in Luke 4. It tells us this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up and, to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were, fa were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The kingdom of heaven is where God is king and he is exercising his authority. As followers of Jesus, we are kingdom carriers. Our role is therefore to bring his kingdom, his rule and reign into every area of society, to carry on Jesus' ministry, proclaiming good news to the poor, freedom for the captives, healing for the sick, rest restoration for the suffering. The kingdom of God is where souls are saved. It's where justice is seen. It's where the church is built. It's all of those because we are carriers of the kingdom everywhere we go. And as we carry the kingdom, God's reign and his rule is established. I believe we are invited this year to prepare a way for God to move. As we gather in life groups and clusters this year, we're going to create space for God to move. As we live as followers of Jesus in our home and with our friends and in our workplaces, we create space for God to move. We prepare the ground. We prepare a highway for the Lord to come and meet people. You know, as a church, we want to use this building in a way which creates chance for people to encounter Jesus. You know, this year, we're gonna, we'll see us invest significant money uh, into creating a community space and cafe at the front of our building. We're in conversation with 
funding options at the moment. I'm going to be sharing more this evening. But our aim is to complete the work over the next 12 to 16 months. We've been doing lots of preparation. We're in the planning and fundraising part at the moment. We've got a gift day again in the 5th of March, which is going to help us get to that point where hopefully we're going to see builders on site by April. But why do we do that? As we welcome people into this building, as we provide job opportunities for our cafe and business, as we give people new skills through the Life College and our activities, we are doing the restorative work of the kingdom. We are restoring dignity. We are giving people hope. And over time, we hope that through introducing people to our church community, they will come to find the one who we put our hope and our trust in. As we open up our front doors, people are able to walk in and find people who will introduce them to Jesus. As the people of Israel prepare a way for the Lord, there is a promise that God gives them. Verse 5, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. As a church, we long to see the glory of the Lord revealed. To see Jesus' name lifted high in our city. Are we ready for a move of God in our city? Because if we faithfully prepare ourselves, then God will move. What role are you playing and are you going to play this year in preparing a way for God? Are we constantly a people amazed by grace? So I felt like the first thing we needed to do was to be a people who were constantly amazed by grace. Are we constantly people who go after God's presence, who are hungry for more, who never stop your thankful hearts like Kath shared this morning? Are we people who are united in community. Maybe this year you need to give yourself to commit into community, get involved in a, a life group, help us create those magnetic communities that draw people in. Maybe committing to community is dealing with relational issues or being willing to be vulnerable with others. Maybe committing into community this year is, is giving financially to help us get to where we believe God is calling us. Maybe starting that giving journey, maybe giving into the offering or starting a standing order, maybe committing to give it our gift day to get our building work completed. Give ourselves to the community. Maybe giving ourselves to the community is getting involved in serving, demonstrating God's heart of love to those in our city. We are family. We all have a role to play. Could you serve on a, a Sunday this year, a Sunday team, or serve during the week? We need to be amazed by grace. We need to be united as family and involved in family. And as we do that, we prepare ourselves for a move of God. Because I don't know, you can use words like revival. I don't know what it would look like for revival to come to our city. But God doesn't call us to have the answers. He invites us to prepare a way for him to move. And then he says, when we prepare ourselves for a move, he reveals his glory.